There we go. Well, thank you very much, Lydia. That was a great song, one of my favorites, and Steve, too. We've come to the main message portion of our service now, so as we open our Bibles, we'll uh, pause for prayer. Heavenly Father, thank you so much for speaking to us today in so many ways. And as we open your word now, we pray you'll speak to us through the scripture. This scripture was written by men who were inspired by the Holy Spirit. It's the very uh, voice of God, the breath of God. And as we read today, help us not only to understand, but help us to take everything we read to heart and to make it part of our lives. And through the Holy Spirit, we know that that can happen. So Lord, thank you, and we pray this in Jesus' name. Amen. Well, I had an interesting experience last night. I attended my high school reunion, my 50th high school reunion, and uh, it was a joy. It's a little scary. I don't know how many of you have attended a high school reunion, but you're a little nervous because you wonder, how are those people going to perceive me? How am I going to look to them? Are they going to be shocks? (laughs) Are they going to be friendly? Are they going to be snobs? How is it going to go? Now, you know, back in the day, uh, I spent four years of my life every day in close community with these people. And uh, what do they remember about me, if anything? Now, I'll be honest with you, I was kind of a wallflower in high school. I didn't really blossom until later. <laughs> so I spent a lot of times lurking in the background. And, uh, you know, I wasn't part of the football team. I wasn't a class officer. So you wonder, are people even going to remember you? How awkward might that be? But anyway, I went. And I must admit that everybody was overly friendly. You know, at one point in the evening, they read a list from our class of about 250 graduates, they read a list of all of the guys who had passed away. And I'll tell you what, that was sobering because it was a list of between 30 and 35 guys who had died in different ways. Now, I went to an all-boys Catholic high school, so that's why I refer to, to guys and boys. But we came to the point that we realized that by the grace of God, we're still here. And we kind of shared that feeling of uh, community and and family. And uh, I urge you, if you have the opportunity to go to a class reunion, by all means go. Because, uh, you know, God has given you the wherewithal to be there, to be friendly, to uh, reach out with the Spirit of God and and, uh, be encouraging to other people. And uh, you come to see over the years, some of your classmates have had some pretty rough lives. And once again, you can reflect on your life and be thankful for who you are and where you are now. So uh, it was a great experience. Uh, I had a lot of fun renewing friendships and in some cases pretty much meeting people and talking to them for the first time, really, because back in the day, like I said, uh, there were a lot of people there that I didn't know or wasn't close to, but we shared a lot of experiences together and, and I think it was great. So if you have the opportunity, by all means, go and attend. One of the things I was concerned about was, you know, back in my teenage years, I did some pretty stupid things. (laughs) I said some dumb things to people that, you know, I later regretted. But, you know, throughout the whole evening, everything was upbeat. 
And uh, nobody brought up negative things from the past, which we were all very thankful for. So the past for many of us holds a lot of good memories, but then there are also some negative ones. You know, we, we want to remember the good times, times when we were happy and enjoying life. Good memories are a wonderful thing. There's something called nostalgia, where you like to listen to the music of, of your youth, remember good things that happened. But you know what? The past can also give us a perspective on life. It's like the rearview mirror in our car. As we move forward, we glance back occasionally to keep us aware of what's behind us and where we've been. The past makes us more knowledgeable and wiser. But as I said, the past can have a dark side to it. It can be a prison for some people. Failures and mistakes of the past can cause us to see ourselves as failures today. And you know, some people struggle with this. And the, uh, the psychiatrist couches are filled with people who dwell in the past, live in the past, and can't let go of the past, especially the negative parts. Many people carry a heavy burden of depression and sorrow because of their past. Some relive, relive the past. They recount negative events in great detail in their minds over and over again. Now, that's one thing about going to a class reunion. You're, you remember the time you did this to that person or said that to that person. And it's funny how that works sometimes. You get into conversation and you say, remember 50 years ago that one day you were coming out of science class and I threw my folder at you? And you know, this, I don't remember that. Or you say, you remember that one time I kind of insulted you? I really wanted to apologize. I don't remember you doing that. And you think to yourself, you know, all these years, 50 years, I've been mulling this over in my mind how I insulted that guy or how I hurt that guy, they don't even remember it. So it was all me. It was all in my mind. It was a burden that I was carrying personally, and I was the only one. You know, isn't it funny how different people remember different things? And we were sharing some stories about high school, and they were talking about things that I didn't remember, I never knew happened. And, and I was sharing things, and I said, surely you remember this one guy in that day that, you know, he uh, lit the, uh, his gym bag on fire, and I don't remember that. <laughs> so we end up carrying so many burdens in our own mind, thinking everybody thinks I'm a total idiot and a total failure, and they don't have any thoughts like that about you. It's really strange the way the human mind works sometimes. But some people just surrender to the past. They've decided that they will never rise above the past and they resign themselves to what the past has made them. Others defy the past and refuse to be dominated by it. Even though the past is an unchangeable part of their history, they can change how they think about the past and how they live their lives today. You know, the Bible has a lot to say actually about our past and how God has freed us from our past. I'd like you to turn with me to Philippians chapter 3 and verse 13. Philippians, the uh, epistle of Paul to the church at Philippi. Philippians 3, beginning in verse 13. He knows that some people struggle with the past, and he wants to explain to them how God has freed us from our past mistakes. 
He says this, Brothers, I do not consider myself yet to have taken hold of it, but one thing I do, forgetting what is behind and straining toward what is ahead. I press on toward the goal to win the prize for which God has called me heavenward in Christ Jesus. All of us who are mature should take such a view of things. And if on some point you think differently, that too God will make clear to you. So Paul says don't dwell on the past. It doesn't do us any good. It just loads a burden on us that we strain to carry. God has given us a different perspective on our lives. You know, God, through his grace, through his forgiveness, has done away with our past. And he's given us a new life in Jesus Christ. Now, when Paul says here, forgetting what is behind, to forget in Bible terminology does not mean to wipe something out of your memory. So when it comes to past mistakes or maybe how you've hurt other people or sins that you've committed, when it talks about forgetting the past, it doesn't mean somehow magically removing it from our memory. To forget in Bible terminology means to no longer be influenced by or affected by something. So when the Apostle Paul says that he learned to forget what is behind, he meant that he still might remember the past, but he no longer allowed it to affect the way he lived in the present. Now, we have all sinned in our lives multiple, multiple times. God does not want us to dwell on those mistakes and those sins. Even though, you know, sometimes we think of things we've done in the past and we kind of cringe. And to this day, we think, why did I do that? Or how could I, I have been so mean or so cruel? God doesn't want us to dwell on those past mistakes because they've been forgiven by the blood of Jesus Christ. He wants us to dwell on the present and on the future, not on the past. Now, certainly, there can be times where we have to apologize for things that we've done to other people, and rightly so. They may or may not remember what we did to them in the past, but sometimes it helps us just to kind of clear, clear our minds or clear our conscience to apologize when it is fit to do so. That's good. But we're not to dwell on it. We're to let it go. It's been taken care of by the, the blood of Jesus Christ, and now he wants us to move on in our lives to bigger and better things, more Christ-centered things, more spiritual things. Let's turn to Hebrews chapter 10 and verse 17. Hebrews 10 and verse 17. Notice God's approach toward our mistakes and our sins of the past. Hebrews 10 verse 17 says this, then he adds, their sins and lawless acts I will remember no more. That's how God feels about our sins of the past. He says, I've forgiven them and I remember them no more. Now that, again, that doesn't mean that he literally wipes out of his memory every bad thing that we've done. What he's saying is, I will no longer hold their sins against them. Their sins can no longer affect their standing with me or influence my attitude toward them. So God knows that we still stumble occasionally. 
and we don't fall in and out of favor with God, once we come under the blood of Jesus Christ, we're always in favor with God. We never fall out of that, even when we sin, because our sins can no longer affect our standing with God. We're forgiven by the grace and the blood of Jesus Christ. So when we're told to forget what is behind, God doesn't expect us to wipe it from our memory. Uh, He urges us not to allow the past to affect the way we live in the present. He wants us to break the power of the past by living in the present and pressing toward the future. We cannot change the past, and sometimes we can't forget things that we've done, but we can change the meaning of the past. So... Don't be burdened by mistakes of the past. We've all made mistakes of the past. And probably till the day we die, we're going to remember quite vividly some of the things that we've done. We may be the only one who remembers it. And God certainly doesn't hold it against us. You know, I am reminded of this prophecy. I think you were prophesied about back in the book of Isaiah, chapter 43. This prophecy has been fulfilled in all of our lives. Isaiah 43, beginning in verse 18. Because here in the midst of the Old Testament times, God was talking about the New Testament, the new covenant that he would make with his people, and how that that would affect things in our lives. This is what the prophet Isaiah said in Isaiah 43, verse 18. Forget the former things. Forget the former things. Do not dwell on the past. See, I am doing a new thing. Now it springs up. Do you not perceive it? I am making a way in the desert and streams in the wasteland. So what he's talking about here, what he's prophesying is the coming of the new covenant. So no longer do people have to dwell in their sins and maybe continually offer sacrifices at the temple in Jerusalem for their sins time and time again. We've now entered into an age where we're living in grace. Because of Jesus Christ's death on the cross, we have our sins forgiven. We don't dwell on the past anymore. Yeah, we've made mistakes, but they're forgiven. Move on from that. Move on from that. Move forward. And that advice applies to each and every one of us. Do you ever find yourself thinking about the past and things that you've done wrong in the past? We all do. But as soon as thoughts like that come to mind, we have to realize where they're coming from. The human mind, you know, we have all this stuff rattling around in our brain. And also, we have an adversary, Satan the devil, who is very happy to remind us of our mistakes of the past because he wants to discourage us. He wants to limit what we can do. He wants to limit our relationship with God. And if we focus enough on ourselves, we're going to put God out of the picture. We're going to lose faith in the sacrifice of Jesus Christ because we're continually reminded what a loser we are. And you know, that's why it's important, for example, as parents, we can't dwell on our kids' mistakes. We can't keep reminding them of things that they've done wrong in the past. We can't say things like, well, you know, you're never going to amount to anything. You're worthless. You know, there's a lot of kids who have heard that time and time again in their lives. 
And those are the people who eventually grew up with a lot of problems, with a lot of baggage. So we have to be encouraging to our kids. Sure, they make mistakes. We have to point out the mistakes that they made. And uh, once they realize what they've done wrong and they're trying to do better, we let it go. Because we've all made mistakes in our lives. And, you know, the same holds true for marriages. As we're you know, living together as husband and wife, we make mistakes, don't we? And sometimes in a marriage, and again, the marriage counselors' rooms are full of cases like this, where either the wife or the husband can't let go of what their mate did. And you know, when uh, our mate does something against us, or they, they sin on their own, or they do something to kind of disrupt the relationship, when they do that, we kind of hold power over them, don't we? And sometimes when somebody has done something against you, you don't want to lose that power that you have. And what do I mean by power over them? Well, you can always remind them of what they've done. Oh, you were the one who went out and did this. Remember that? Remember five years ago when you did that and walked out on me? You know, people tend to not want to forgive because you kind of hold power over them. You can always remind them of their sins of the past and judge them time and time again. God says, we're not to do that. God doesn't do it, so we certainly shouldn't do it. We need to forgive we need to move on. We need to let the past be the past. You know, I've made mistakes during my years of marriage, and my wife has made mistakes during our years of marriage. And we don't dwell on things that we've done. In fact, she remembers things that I've done, and I remember things that she's done, and that's the past. We know that neither of us are perfect. We're still fighting human nature. We're trying to move forward by the grace of God. So don't dwell on the past. Forgive and move on. Are you always going to remember uh, what someone else did? Perhaps you might. But when thoughts like that come, uh, rebuke them in the name of Jesus Christ and move on with your life. You know, the Apostle Paul was an individual who had made a lot of mistakes in his past. Now, he did them out of zeal for God. Remember, he was a Pharisee. Uh, his name was Saul of Tarsus, and he was one of the leading Pharisees of his time. And the Pharisees, the Jewish Pharisees, thought that this new religion, Christianity, was an affront toward God, that it was a false religion. And he felt that it was his responsibility to seek out all Christians and to persecute them. And some of them he threw in jail, and some of them were even put to death. For their beliefs. So these Christians hadn't done anything. And Paul in his religious zeal thought. That's what God wants me to do. So he did it to the best of his ability. And remember the story of one day. He was on a journey on his horse. And a bright light appeared. And he got knocked off of his horse. He was blinded. And it was Jesus Christ. Intervening in his life. And he started to correct Saul of Tarsus. Saying, what are you doing? Why are you hurting my people? And Paul had to be taught that that was not God's will to persecute Christians and to put to death Christians. That these were God's people that he was persecuting. So Paul went through this whole process. You know, God changed his name from Saul to Paul. 
and he started to learn the ways of Jesus Christ, and he started to teach correctly who Jesus Christ was, that he was truly the Son of God, and he was our Savior. So as he became more and more involved in the church, you can imagine that church members didn't trust him because of all the havoc that he had wreaked in the churches. All of the people, the Christians he had persecuted and all of the Christians he had put to death. And now he is called to be a church leader. You talk about awkward. Can you imagine coming into a congregation where you were personally responsible for the imprisonment of some of the people in this congregation? It took a long time for them to learn to trust Paul and believe what he was saying. Notice what it says in Acts chapter 22. A lot of forgiving had to be done on both sides. But it says here in Acts chapter 22 and verse 19. This is uh, Paul telling the story of when he was called. He says in verse 17, When I returned to Jerusalem and was praying at the temple, I fell into a trance and saw the Lord speaking. Quick, he said to me, leave Jerusalem immediately because they will not accept your testimony about me. They're not going to believe you, Paul, and your life may be in danger. Verse 19, Lord, I replied, these men know that I went from one synagogue to another to imprison and beat those who believe in you. And when the blood of your martyr Stephen was shed, I stood there giving my approval and guarding the clothes of those who were killing him. So Paul knew <laughs> that he had done wrong things. He thought at the time were right, but it turned out that they were very wrong. And Paul had a struggle being able to face Christians and being able to visit churches, knowing that he was personally responsible for the suffering of a lot of those people. So when Jesus called him to give him a commission, Paul thought that his past disqualified him. But God had forgiven his past, and it no longer mattered. So as he was able to adjust to the people and the people to him, he went on to be a great leader in the church. You know, Paul could have spent the rest of his life depressed and dwelling on what a loser he was, but he came to realize that God loved him and was going to use him in a powerful way despite his past. And you know what? That applies to each and every one of us. Amen. Sometimes we dwell on the past and think, oh, what a horrible person I've been. I did this, I did that, I can't forget it. I think that these people still hold it against me. In fact, when I see them, I can kind of look by the expression on their face that they still hold it against me. They're angry with me, they don't accept me. But you know what? In most cases, we're just imagining it. It's our conscience bothering us from the past. So by the grace of God and by the strength of God, we can overcome our past. We already really have. It's just a matter of our acceptance of it. Are there things from your past that make you feel worthless in God's sight? Well, I'll tell you what, Satan would like to remind you of all those things. <laughs> but God has overcome your past. He has forgiven your past. He doesn't hold your past against you. And even the sins you commit today, God feels the same way about that. He doesn't hold those things against you. They're forgiven by the blood of Jesus Christ. And not only the things that you've done to other people, but what about the things that have been done to you? Is there a hurt or an offense that you suffered, a heavy weight that you've been carrying for many years? 
we have to let go of those things too. You know, there was a story about uh, an experiment that they did on fish, of all things. I read this one time. Uh, the fish was a northern pike. And uh, what they did with these northern pike, they had them in a big aquarium sort of thing. And the fish were separated from their favorite food, minnows, by a glass divider. So imagine this big glass aquarium, a glass divider in the middle of it. On one side is the northern pike, and on the other side is minnows. So they did this exper experiment. Every time the northern pike tried to grab one of the minnows, it bumped its nose into the glass divider. And this went on for hours and hours and days and days and weeks and weeks. And finally, the northern pike, as they saw the minnows, they gave up because they figured it was impossible. But then one day, they removed the glass divider. And the minnows were still, you know, there, and the northern pike were there. But even though the glass divider was removed, the northern pike still wouldn't even try to, to catch the minnows and eat them. Because they were convinced somehow that they could never grab them. There was something blocking them. And in a similar way, we can become convinced that we can never break free from the patterns of defeat and failure that have bound us to the point that we feel totally helpless and hopeless, that we won't even try. The past can enslave us to the point that we're so exhausted we don't want to try anymore. And you know, there are people who get so depressed that they can't even get out of bed. They figure, why, why bother? It's just going to lead to failure. Bad things are bound to happen. So they lose their job, they lose their relationships with their family, and they can't even get themselves out of bed. You know, there were some people who didn't come to the reunion because they're suffering from such things. They figure, I can't even stand to face the people that are going to be there. Because they're convinced that people are going to judge them, people are going to criticize them. Uh, because of mistakes of the past, uh, they're, going to, they're going to be looked down upon. So why even try? You know, the, the fellow that was in charge of the reunion was uh, telling some stories he was going on the list of all the graduates, and he said, well, this guy's here, this guy, unfortunately, has passed away, and this guy here, I called him, and he hung up on me. <laughs> and we all kind of laughed, thinking, well, isn't that, isn't that funny? But this person just was so unsocial and never even considered the thought of going to a reunion and seeing friendly faces from the past. They were so convinced that because of their life, they would be judged, they would be looked down upon for whatever reasons. And we can get like that too. We can get like that too, but don't forget, we have the grace of God, and God has changed us. Amen. So don't judge yourself based on the past. Notice in Romans 8, verse 1, what it says here. Romans 8, verse 1. Therefore, there is now no condemnation for those who are in Christ Jesus. Do you realize what a powerful verse that is? In other words, there is nothing that you can do as one of God's children that can separate you from God. 
Not only that, there's nothing that you can do that can bring condemnation on you from God. Why? Because you are now living in a total state of forgiveness and grace. So you're not going to fall out of favor with God. You're not going to have to be put into God's doghouse out in the backyard because you've been a bad boy or a bad girl. God doesn't operate like that. There is no condemnation. None for those who are in Christ Jesus. Now, that carries a heavy responsibility. I mean, God would think of me like that, that no matter what sin I committed, there's no condemnation? Wow. I want to please a God like that. See, that, that, our reaction shouldn't be, well, you mean now I can go out and commit any sin I want and I'm forgiven? That's not the reaction we should have. The reaction we should have to that scripture is, wow, God is so awesome he is that forgiving and that filled with grace. You know what? I want to really turn my life around and, and do everything I can to please him. And that's why we're here today to worship him. Amen. What an awesome God. Imagine God that no matter what we do, there's no condemnation for us. One other scripture in 2 Corinthians 5 verse 17. 2 Corinthians 5 in verse 17 says this. Therefore, if anyone is in Christ, he or she is a new creation. The old has gone, the new has come. That's how God sees us, and that's how we need to see ourselves. Don't let Satan whisper in your ear trying to remind you of mistakes from the past and to tell you what a loser you are. He will try to do that. But we have to see ourselves the way God sees us. The old is gone, the new has come. You are a new creation. So, you know, when I went to the reunion last night, this thought crossed my mind. And I tried not to focus on negative things from the past. You know, my big negativity was, you know, John, who were you in high school? You were nobody. <laughs> So why even bother to go? There's probably going to be a lot of people there who won't even recognize your face or recognize your name. Well, you know what? That may be the case. But I'm coming to the reunion as the new and improved John Dobrich. <laughs> a new creation. And I just went there, and I sat down at a table. There were a couple guys there, a table of eight people. There were a couple guys there that I kind of knew from high school, but there were a lot of several other guys that I really had no dealings with in high school. You know, probably never sat down and had a conversation with them in four years of high school. But you know, I went there and I tried to be encouraging in everything that I said. I tried to be friendly in everything that I said. And they all responded in a similar way. So I had conversations with guys last night that I had never really spoken to in high school. And we shared things about our past, my favorite question was, well, what have you been doing the past 50 years? <laughs> and that opened the door for a lot of conversation. Good stuff. And they shared some of the trials they went through and some of the experiences that they went through, and it was great. Because you know what? I'm a new creation. I don't have to worry about my past and what people think of me. I just go there and try to present myself in the best light of my Savior Jesus Christ. And when you do that, people will respond in a positive way. 
So you got nothing to be ashamed of. You got nothing to be frightened of. Show off this new creation God has made you to be. Not in a pompous way or in a snobby way, but in a humble way. God's given you life experiences. He's given you words to say, especially words of encouragement. And everybody needs a word of encouragement in their life. And you're going to be the kind of person, when you show up, they're going to think, I'm really glad he came. Or I'm really glad she came. She really made the party. She made the festivity, the activity. She was so pleasant, so friendly. And you know what? If there's ever an opportunity again, people are going to say, I hope they come. I hope they come to this. Because we were so glad to have them here. So don't let Satan drag you down. Don't dwell in the past in a negative way. And don't uh, let these thoughts of depression and discouragement enter in. Remember who you are. Live in the reality of who you are. Jesus came to liberate us from our past. He died on the cross to forgive us of our sins. He forgave our past. He releases us from sin and the guilt of sin. Instead of living in the what has been, he allows us to live in the what can be. So recognize the past for what it is. It's the past. It's over. It's done. It's gone. It's finished. It's ended. It's past. You can't change one thing that happened back then, whether back then was years ago or whether it was yesterday or whether it was this morning. Recognize Satan's strategy in reminding you of your negative past. His purpose is to discourage you and to defeat you. Recognize that while you can't change the past, you can choose to no longer allow it to affect the way you live today. So by the grace of God, He has healed us from past mistakes. He has forgiven every sin, past, present, and future in our lives. And He's made us a new creation. Let's live that reality and let's share it with others. Let's pray. Our Heavenly Father, thank you so much for what you've done in our individual lives. And we know that we live in a fallen world, Father. And in this world in which we live is a lot of depression and discouragement. And people seem to tune into that and to live in that. And it's so detrimental to their, to their lives so many people are struggling today with medications and, and other types of treatment, whether it's alcohol, whether it's uh, opiates. They're trying to make their lives better somehow, but it's not working. The only answer is your grace, your forgiveness, and the new creation you make in each of our lives. So help us to live in that reality, Lord, and help us to encourage others along those lines. Thank you for being such a wonderful God. We love you. We pray this now in Jesus' name. Amen.